You're listening to Beyond the Ribbon, a podcast of the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center. This podcast is brought to you by Kia of Amarillo, proud member of the Auto Inc. family of dealerships. Be sure to check out their website at kiaofamarillo.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey, Ryan. How are you today? Pam, I am doing well. And yourself? I am good. You know, it's always exciting when we get to learn new things or bring um, the things that we have researched to our audience. And I'm really excited about today's um, guest. You know, we oftentimes hear people who suffer from lymphedema. We also hear how important nutrition is, but to put them two together, um, I don't know if that's um, maybe I'm in the dark on that. yeah. and don't know much about that, but I'm really excited to learn how the two go hand in hand. You're right. We've done episodes, um, lots of episodes on nutrition, whether yes. sugar feeds cancer cells, we've done plant-based, yes. diet. we've done a lot of them, um, how to get more veggies in your diet. Um, we've done those. Uh, we've also done one on lymphedema, but yeah, you're right. We're kind of bringing these two together and um, I'm really intrigued and I hope our listeners now are as to how this is going to play out together and the role that nutrition plays with lymphedema. Because I know we have a lot of our folks that we see who struggle with lymphedema, unfortunately. And, you know, I have to give a shout out to Whitney for finding our guest and, um, you know, her being the dietitian. And I think this is important that we bring this information to our audience. Yeah, if Whitney says this is somebody we need to talk to, we listen because Whitney is our local expert, uh, registered dietitian with oncology experience and works with our, our folks. And uh, I encourage anyone listening that that is able to attend her nutrition class to come on and join in once a month at her nutrition class. But Pam, let's talk about today's guest. Um, I am super excited uh, as, as we were just visiting. Um, we're, we're, this is our second international guest. Um, we have Jean Lamantia. She is from Toronto. She's a registered dietitian and uh, she is an author. She's also a lymph node cancer survivor and she's the creator of the Lymphedema Nutrition School and all the way from Toronto, Canada. Jean is joining us. Jean, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you for inviting me and thank you for all the great work you do supporting and recommending nutrition for um, cancer survivors. That's that's to be applauded because that's sometimes a overlooked. So I really appreciate that you're devoting so many of your episodes to that topic. So Jean, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, as you said in the introduction, I am a lymph node cancer survivor. So I had lymphoma back when I was 27 years old. You know, it just hit me out of the blue and um, was otherwise very healthy. And uh, I I do remember, you know, having to do go through all of the staging. And at one point, um, you know, I remember my mother calling the hospital saying, what else has to be done? Like, because I'd had to have a, a surgery, have a lymph node removed. I had to have a CAT scan and just like this girl, <laughs> she needs to be seen. And what was happening was my my lungs were filling with lymphatic fluid. So I was essentially drowning in my own body is what was happening. And that definitely made a deep impression on me that we have something called the lymphatic system and it's very important. I'd certainly learned about it in because I'd already been a dietitian at that point, but the focus was really on the GI um, aspects of the lymphatic system. And so many years later, um, after specializing in cancer as part of my practice, I was invited to join a lymphedema clinic local to me. And I realized there's nothing really established for people who have lymphedema in terms of nutrition. But once I started working with these individuals and scouring the research, I found, oh my gosh, there's actually a lot, a lot that I can offer these people. And I started putting that together and and seeing really great results. So it just kept motivating me. And these clients are amazing to work with because they're so appreciative. There's nobody else talking about this. So it's it's really inspiring. So, uh, so that's kind of a little bit about me and a little bit about what I do. Is there different types of lymphedema? Like yes, there are different types. 
Yeah. So, you know, primary lymphedema is going to be sometimes it's just noticeable from birth. That's more common in boys. Sometimes it develops later, like at, at puberty or even in someone's 20s. And that's often referred to as lymphedema tarda. Um, and that can be more common in girls. Or there's just people who are just born with not a great lymphatic system. Just like some people are born with not a great immune system or, you know, not a great heart or not great blood vessels. And um, sometimes that kind of comes under that category of primary and then secondary lymphedema is lymphedema that develops as a result of something else. And um, for your audience, the most concerning would be as a result of cancer or the cancer treatment. And I think it's important to know, and I don't mean to scare anyone, but if you have had any lymph nodes removed or radiated as part of your treatment, you do have a lifelong risk of lymphedema. And again, I say that not to scare people, but as my mother would always say, forewarned is forearmed. And I've met too many people who end up with lymphedema and say, no one ever told me. No one ever mentioned that this was a risk factor. No one ever told me what to look out for. So I'm hoping we can talk about some of that today. So is there certain types of cancer that are more at risk for lymphedema and others? That well, the cancers where that tend to spread into the lymph nodes. Um, so, or where the common treatment strategy involves removing lymph nodes or, you know, radiating lymph nodes. So breast cancer is certainly one that comes to mind. Often um, women with breast cancer will have some of the lymph nodes from their armpits removed. And um, gynecological cancers are another one. So you can have lymph nodes removed from, um, uh, from that pelvic area. And I, and I should mention, you know, a person has like 400 to 700 lymph nodes throughout the body. And they're just like kind of little, either round or sort of bean shaped. They do tend to cluster in certain areas. So they cluster in the, in the neck area, they cluster in the armpits, uh, in the pelvic area, and also throughout the, um, the mesentery. So that's the lining of the small intestine that holds the small intestine to to the abdominal wall. So anytime those important um, clusters are affected, then lymphedema is a risk factor. So what is the purpose of the lymphatic system? There's really three main purposes. One is um, fluid um, circulation. And I, I talk with my hands a lot and I'm going to do that because it helps me to explain, even though I know it's a podcast I and, do too. and people can't see it, <laughs> but when the heart pumps and it pumps the blood out through the aorta, so that blood is traveling and, and the aorta is a rather large vessel, but as it goes through the body it gets smaller. So then it becomes arteries. And then those arteries become arterioles, which are very tiny, um, arteries and then that pass through a capillary bed into venules and then those venules grow in size and become veins and then that blood is returned back to the heart but as the blood passes through the capillary beds some of that blood fluid leaks out and you your readers may have heard of blood plasma so the liquid part of the blood leaks out and the lymphatic system is there and it returns it so it is actually part of your cardiovascular system. It's often not talked about. Um, in, as opposed to the cardiovascular system goes around in a circuit. It just keeps moving the blood around, whereas the lymphatic system is one way. It goes from the, from the toes up, from the fingers in, and from the head down. And it all enters into what are called the thoracic ducts, which are, if you raise your shoulders, you, you'll feel little... Um, divots above your collarbones and that's the area where it all drains into so it's a big part of your um, cardiovascular system and maintaining fluid balance secondly it's important for absorption of fats from the diet so when you eat any food let's say you have a sandwich and um, you know you've got your bread you've got your let's say tuna you've got some mayonnaise you have carbohydrate and protein and fat and the body needs to break those down into their smallest components before they can be absorbed. 
So the carbohydrate gets broken down into single sugar, glucose. The protein gets broken down into its building blocks, which are called amino acids. And the fats get broken down into their smallest component, which is called a fatty acid. And then when it's in the intestines, the intestines is what's known as a semi-permeable membrane. So things can travel through the intestine if they're small enough. So now fatty acids, if we think about the chemistry of it, are chains of carbons. So you have carbon, 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 all in a line with hydrogens attached, and then they have different endings. And these are all slightly different. Now, some of these carbon chains are short. Some of them are medium. So that means they have up to 12 carbons in the chain, and some are long. Now, why this matters is that if it's a short chain fatty acid or medium chain fatty acid, they get absorbed right from the upper part of the small intestine. So once that sandwich kind of get mashed up and it's in the stomach, then it leaves the stomach, gets broken down to its smallest component. The short and medium chain fatty acids get absorbed through the lining of the small intestine into the bloodstream. So they're what are called absorbed by the body. So that's your digestion and absorption. Long chain fatty acids cannot be absorbed here. They are not soluble enough. So they get put into what I call a fat transporter sphere. So it's known as a chylomicron. And this chylomicron goes through the lining of the small intestine and gets absorbed into a specialized lymphatic capillary called a lacteal. Now, this word lacteal might make you think about the words lactease or lactose or lactase or, you know, because. Because I'm in Canada, we have bilingual labeling on all our foods. If I were to pick up a carton of milk, it would say late, L-A-I-T. So this word lacteal might remind you of the word milk, okay? Because all these milky words. And it's because the liquid that's absorbed there is a milky white consistency and because it has these long chain fats in it. So they get absorbed through the lacteals. And those lacteals are all connected. They, um, It's all this network and they are connected to other um, lymphatic vessels and they go through all the lymph nodes in the intestine and they, they pass through, I call it union station at the, you know, as it leaves the, um, that pelvic area and all the way up the central trunks, you have big lymphatic vessels that come up the abdomen, up through the chest and they enter that area. Uh, by the collarbones. And that's how fats get absorbed into the blood. Because once it gets to the top of those thoracic ducts, that's where it empties into the bloodstream. So short and medium chain fats get absorbed right in the intestines. Long chain fatty acids have to use the lymphatic system and go all the way up um, through the neck area to be absorbed. So it's very important for fat absorption in the body. And then the third component of um, or the third major job of the lymphatic system is part of the immune system. So you, we've got these lymph nodes all over the body and the um, the lymph goes through there and there, you know, some let's call them border agents in there, some security guards, and they're monitoring what's coming through. And if they see, oh, this is a bacteria, we don't want this here they have some macrophages and some other immune cells right there that'll take care of it. Now, if it's if it's a, a certain invader in the body that the body's like, oh, I recognize this. I've got an antibody against you. Let's, you know, call headquarters and get them to start producing these antibodies because we need to take care of this. Some of that production can take place in the lymph node. Some takes place, you know, in the bone marrow, but it travels through the lymphatic system to get there. And you may have noticed, let's say you have an infection, you feel like your lymph nodes are swollen in your neck. That's your immune response happening. So yeah, three main functions of the lymphatic system, fluid transport, fat and fat-soluble vitamin digestion, and immune function. So I guess one of the questions in talking about just lymphedema before we really dive in deep to nutrition and lymphedema is the, the stereotypical, you know, large swollen limb, 
uh, you know, and the, and the very typical treatment, right? I know our, some of our listeners are going, oh yeah, I need to put my sleeve back on, my compression sleeve or my compression stocking. So in essence, what causes that to be one of the main issues of lymphedema? Right. So if we look at that picture of, you know, a cancer survivor who's had lymph nodes removed or had um, lymph nodes radiated, you know, often it's, I describe it as a one-two punch. So the first punch being that the lymph nodes are removed or, or they're damaged or there's a lot of scar tissue. And remember that lymph has to travel one way from the tips of your fingers all the way up the arm across and to be absorbed in those thoracic ducts. Um, so the first punch is the damage or the removal of those lymph nodes. The second punch, let's say you get a scratch on your arm or a sunburn or, you know, the dog bites you and breaks the skin or uh, something. Your body calls, gets on the horn and calls cellular 911. Like send the first responder cells. I need immune cells to come to this area because I've burned myself or cut myself or have an infection. Well, here they come and they travel through the lymphatic system. They get there, they multiply, they take care of the issue. You know they're there because there's redness, heat, pain, swelling, loss of function. Okay, taking care of the problem. Now it's time to leave. Let's go. Oh, now they can't leave. The bridge is out. So they can't get through that armpit area. And then that fluid just all builds up. That's what happens. And now in the early stages, you can move that lymph fluid. You can, um, you mentioned compression. So that, that helps. Manual lymphatic drainage is another technique. So if you um, have or suspect lymphedema, you should seek out a certified lymphedema therapist and they will perform manual lymphatic drainage and also teach you how to do it on your on yourself and then teach you how to take care of your skin and what exercises can help. And so that's that's really kind of what happens. Now, some people don't have that second punch. Some people, you know, right after their surgery, their arm is swollen and that's it. But what I think is important to know is once you've had those lymph nodes removed or damaged, you have a lifelong risk. And I've seen in the research, the longest I've noted was 31 years. So a woman who developed lymphedema. Now, that, those details I don't know, but there was another woman who had breast cancer treatment, had lymph nodes removed from her armpit, and 30 years later was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes didn't think anything of it, but started doing her finger prick glucometer testing on that same arm where she'd had lymph node removed and developed lymphedema. So um, things like that, you know, just to be aware of. So if you've had um, lymph nodes removed from your pelvic area, if you've had them removed from your armpit, the area where it's been removed, the limb where it's been removed, that's vulnerable. So you don't want to get a sunburn. You want to wear gloves when you're out gardening. You maybe want to wear longer pants if you're hiking. Um, you don't want to let the puppy, you know, jump up on your leg or, you know, just precautions like that. Or you want to maybe break in some new shoes gradually. You know, just just take a little extra care of that limb. So do that you, will help. does it matter the number of lymph nodes removed? The greater the yes. risk? Yes. Yeah. The more lymph nodes removed, the greater the risk. Although, you know, it's it's no that, that's one risk factor. Uh, another risk factor is if you gain weight after your treatment uh, mm -hmm. or if you're overweight. There's some literature saying also that if your blood pressure is high, that, that that's another risk factor. Certainly, if you get any kind of infection, that's a risk factor. Um, certain chemotherapies can also raise the risk. Um, so some risk factors are modifiable and some are not. You know, when you're in that discussion with your oncologist about the treatment plan or you're talking about what surgery that you're going to do, you know, you need to ask, what are the plans for the lymph nodes? And there's two main procedures that uh, your audience needs to know about. And one is called um, well, in the 
case of the armpit, it's called the axillary lymph node dissection because the axilla is the armpit. But you could, for any type of cancer, think of it as a um, lymph node dissection versus a sentinel node biopsy. And these are two main procedures. And the difference being that for the lymph node dissection, the surgeon really just makes a judgment call in the surgery, you're on the surgical table, how many lymph nodes and which ones are gonna be removed. A sentinel node biopsy, um, a dye is injected near the site of the cancer and that dye is then watched to see which lymph nodes take up that dye. And those lymph nodes are the ones that are removed. So typically the sentinel node biopsy results in fewer nodes being removed. So if you are listening to this, it's very timely. If you're about to go see your oncology surgeon, definitely ask about, you know, are you going to do lymph node dissection? Or are you going to do sentinel lymph node biopsy? Because it's more and more becoming the standard of care, but I wouldn't say that it's universal that surgeons will automatically choose the sentinel node biopsy. The other procedure that's newer still is that some surgeons are doing what's called an anastomosis right during the surgery. So what they do is, remember I said one of the jobs of the lymphatic system is return the blood that leaked out of the capillary beds, return it back to the heart. So what they'll do is they'll connect a lymph node to a blood vessel. It's going that way anyway. And so rather having that fluid go travel through the lymphatic system, they connect um, a lymph vessel to a, a blood vessel and that lymph fluid enters the, the vascular system sooner rather than having to come all the way back to the, you know, that collarbone area. This is a more, it's a fairly um, advanced surgery. It's called super microvascular surgery because um, the microsurgery, uh, I think is maybe 10 or 20 times magnification. A super microsurgery is 30 times magnification. So it's very delicate work. And that can actually be done as a prophylactic to help reduce the risk of developing lymphedema. Wow. That is so interesting. Um, I've not heard of that. <laughs> Mr. Non-clinical here, but I think that's very interesting. I'm, we'll have to figure out, Pam, who, if any of uh, the vascular surgeons here in town. I'm not aware of any, but I could be wrong. <laughs> so sure, yeah, maybe just sure. even asking well, just, the question can help sort of plant the idea. Yeah. So how does all this play into nutrition? Excellent. Yeah, let's let's leave the surgery talk to the surgeons and we'll let the dietitian yeah. <laughs> talk about nutrition. Well, certainly your diet, I think, can, you know, absolutely play a role for um, once you have lymphedema. We don't have a lot of evidence uh, with regarding risk, but you know, we know from other conditions, for example, I worked in a diabetes education center. If someone's at risk for diabetes, you basically eat as if you already have it. So, you know, if you, let's say there's a strong family history of diabetes, you would eat the diabetic diet. That's the best way to avoid it. Same with, you know, if you're worried about kidney disease, you know, and same thing I feel for lymphedema. So if you're at risk for lymphedema, eat as if you already have it. Uh, and certainly for people who have it, there are many strategies. So number one, which might seem counterintuitive, is to drink a lot of water. Um, and I say counterintuitive because there's other conditions in your body, other edemas. So edema being anytime your body is holding on to fluid in an uh, unhealthy way. So for example, congestive heart failure is a type of edema because there's fluid accumulating around the heart. Well, a lot of those other edemas, the standard of care is a fluid restriction. So in that case, you'd be measuring out your, let's say, maybe liter and a half of fluid a day, and you can't drink more than that. And sometimes you might think that that would be a good strategy for lymphedema, but the opposite is true. And what's unique about lymph edema, as opposed to other edemas, is that lymphedema um, is a high protein edema. Because some of that if we go back to, you know, the blood moving from the arterial through the capillary bed to the venules, that 
it's like blood plasma essentially that leaks out that's got a lot of protein in it so what the lymphatic system is picking up is a protein rich fluid and one of the strategies for dealing with lymphedema is to move the fluid out of the limb and if you concentrate the fluid more so if you restrict your water intake the protein in your lymphatic fluid becomes more concentrated and it's harder to move out so you want to drink uh lots of water and this is i don't know how helpful this is but i you know encourage you to drink in anticipation of your thirst because what happens um as your body starts to get dehydrated is you have some fluid inside the cell. This is called your intracellular fluid. And as your body starts to dry out, the fluid that's in there shifts to the space around the cell, the extracellular space, okay? And then the cell shrinks. That sends a signal to the brain that says, oh, the body's getting dried out. Let's send the signal to the mouth to, to tell the body that we're thirsty. We need to drink some water. But when by the time you feel thirsty, that shift has already happened. And the lymphedema lives in that extracellular space. So your body has already shifted that fluid there. So you really do want to try and drink in anticipation and, you know, keep fluid um, in that lymph so that the protein is less concentrated and you move it out by doing manual lymphatic drainage and other techniques so that's one important strategy another one is to restrict your salt intake and you know for the a lot of american health organizations like heart and stroke and um you know they have recommendations around sodium which is 2300 milligrams a day do you want to guess what the average American sodium intake is right now? More than that. <laughs> I, bet it's, I bet it's over 10. Uh, it's not quite that high. It might be for some individuals, but the average is 3,400 a day. So, oh. yeah, so over like 50% over the recommended. And so that would, I would say, be a good first target. And then, you know, if you're able to achieve that target, even take it down to 1500 milligrams a day, which is what is recommended for people who have high blood pressure. And now the best way to do that, like if you are a very low tech person, the best way to accomplish that is just think about, you know, eating like your grandparents did. There was not a lot of packaged foods or maybe canned food or maybe great grandparents, depending on how old you are. So really try and just make things cook from scratch don't use you know box seasonings or a lot of that stuff um that's the simple way and if you are cooking like that chances are you're hitting that 2300 milligram a day or lower because really the bulk of the salt in the diet is from processed foods and restaurant meals now if you're kind of a high-tech person there's lots of apps where you can monitor um, you know, you put in what you eat and it'll calculate everything, how many calories, protein, et cetera. And a lot of them will also calculate the sodium. And that's a way to track it. So if you like to track your intake and you like the numbers, then there are some apps that you can use for that. I know oftentimes so get sodium. Whitney talks about buying low sodium or no sodium um, cans of vegetables and even straining them and rinsing them to take the salt out. Yep. That's another great strategy that you could do along with, you know, just, um, so yeah, it's, it's important to note that you don't have to avoid cans altogether because there's a lot of low sodium or no added salt canned goods as well, which is nice for the convenience, especially yep. if you're early days post recovery, you might, you know, <laughs> might not be realistically to be you know buying everything and preparing everything from scratch so what so lots of water and restrict salt intake yes what else can can nutrition do for lymphedema well one thing to know about lymphedema is that it's a chronic condition and it's also a progressive condition and what happens if you look at what's going on in that lymph area so you've got this accumulation of protein rich fluid 
that's just hanging around. And this is called lymph stasis. So just the word stasis reminds me of the word stagnant, like it's just sitting there, right? And that protein that's in there signals an inflammatory response. So one of the main inflammatory cells or immune cells that comes to the area are called macrophages. So a macrophage is a big eater cell. Macro is big, phagy is eater, right? So these big eater cells come to the area and they're like, okay, somebody called us, we're here. I guess we better get to work. And so what they start doing is they start building this fibrotic fatty scaffold. So they start putting together this fibrotic tissue and they start thickening the skin. And so this inflammatory response is what contributes to the progression of lymphedema. Because when you initially have lymphedema, the limb is soft. If you were to push your finger into the limb, you see an indentation, which is called pitting edema, which tells you that there's fluid in that space and you can move that fluid out through manual lymphatic drainage and compression. But over time, instead of a fluid, it's called a fluid dominant limb, or it becomes fat dominant. So the tissue becomes hard and it becomes fibrotic. Um, and the skin gets thick. And that that's not good. It um, you know, it's bad enough having fluid in your limb, but just imagine it's just gets hard and um, and then you can start getting skin problems like papillomas or things happening on the skin as it progresses. So we don't want that to happen. Now, one thing we don't have direct evidence of, but we have evidence from other types is what's called an anti-inflammatory diet. And your dietitian has probably talked about that because inflammation, I think of it as an environment inside the body. And cancer cells love this environment. They do really well when there's inflammation. It also encourages heart disease and diabetes and Alzheimer's. And so we know that that lymphedema limb has inflammation in it. Uh, we know from you know research as far back, you know, going to back to 2009, um, there's research where um, these investigators set out to see what components of the diet can affect your blood levels of inflammation. And they found that if your diet has a lot of sugar in it or saturated fats or trans fats um, or omega-6 fatty acids or more processed foods, that leads to more inflammation. But if it's low in added sugars, if it has more whole grains or lower glycemic, lower glycemic means um, carbohydrates that are slower to break down and turn into sugar. If it's got lots of fruits and vegetables, like antioxidant rich foods, if it's got lots of omega-3 fatty acid, in fact, omega-3 is the strongest anti-inflammatory and omega-9 fatty acid. So omega-3, probably you automatically think salmon and you'd be correct. So salmon, sardines, herring, mackerel, rainbow trout are all excellent sources of omega-3. Omega-9, you may not be as familiar with, but it's in olive oil and avocado oil. Um, so those fatty acids are very anti-inflammatory. So you want, what does it look like overall? It's that same diet that your oncology dietitian has probably come to talk about, the anti-inflammatory diet, the traditional Mediterranean diet, um, the whole food plant-based diet. That's very anti-inflammatory. So we know that that anti-inflammatory diet can help with a lot of things. It can lower your blood levels of inflammation. We don't actually have long-term research showing that it can delay this progression of lymphedema. However, there's really no downside to doing the anti-inflammatory diet. So that's another component that I recommend. And especially when it comes to, well, whether you have lymphedema or even I believe as that preventive effect, right? Because we know that you know, if you have this risk factor that you could develop lymphedema because you've had lymph nodes removed for, because of your cancer surgery, if there's inflammation in that area, that is a greater risk of you developing um, 
lymphedema. So I would just out of the gate recommend anti-inflammatory diet for risk reduction and, you know, slowing the progression of lymphedema. So those that have lymphedema and they change their diet, they change their salt intake, they change their fluid. How soon do they notice a difference? Well, for the sodium and the fluid, they would notice right away. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. For the anti-inflammatory, I think that's something, you know, if you were able to measure over time, like over two years, five years, 10 years, I think you would notice a difference. But we have, I have no research to say that that's the case. But absolutely, you will notice those other things right away. So I have people in my program, you mentioned off the top, Lymphedema Nutrition School. And for example, I'm just thinking of one um, young mom, she had breast cancer, developed quite a significant lymphedema in her arm but you know kids wanted to have mcdonald's so you know they ate out or they got takeout and her arm was painful and swollen for a week just from one meal of mcdonald's mm -hmm. and she's one who i i think of as she's particularly salt sensitive you know some other people would notice that and might be able to get their lymphedema limb back to normal like their baseline uh, in two to three days with her, it takes a whole week and she just pays for it. It's, it's really unforgiving. Um, makes, it makes it difficult to be spontaneous or do those kind of things. Unfortunately, people are really, um, you know, you think you get through cancer treatment and you're free and, you know, but unfortunately for those with lymphedema, uh, they have this, reminder that just stays with them and it's it's it can be very devastating um, you know we live in a world where we want there are other strategies a quick fix and you know knowing that maybe just increasing our water intake and decreasing our salt intake maybe you can find a difference in just a couple days oh absolutely um also you know doing some of the manual lymphatic drainage doing some deep breathing um that can help the other strategy that I recommend, and it's again, based on my observations with my one-on-one -on -one clients and with my students who take my program, um, I introduced um, intermittent fasting to them. And one thing that really piqued my interest about intermittent fasting and lymphedema specifically is um, one particular article that was really focused on those gut lymphatics. So remember where I said one of the jobs of the lymphatic system is to absorb those long chain fatty acids from the diet. Um, but this article went on to say more than 50% of the lymphatic fluid that your body produces comes from your GI tract. Okay. So between one and four liters a day is what your body produces. And over 50% of that is coming from your GI tract. So what you eat matters, but also you know, when you eat also matters. Your body, every time you eat, your body now, okay, here's some more lymphatic fluid. I got to process that and get it going. Well, let's say you have breakfast at 7 a.m. and, you know, dinner at 7 p.m. and then a snack before bed at 10 p.m. Boy, you know, your body's just working, you know, 15 hours a day to kind of process this lymph fluid. It doesn't have enough time to kind of, you know, not be processing that. So I introduced the idea of, as a start, just have a 12-hour eating window and a 12-hour fasting window. So that means if you have breakfast by 7 a.m., where breakfast, of course, means to break your fast, that you should be finished up with your eating for the day by 7 p.m. And that way from 7 p.m. tonight until 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, You've got 12 hours where the body can kind of get caught up on processing that lymph fluid and get things calmed down and have you wake up in the morning with your lowest um, levels of, of lymphedema. And then some of my clients even go beyond that. They'll say, okay, well, I've got to 12. Now I'm going to shorten my eating window to 11 hours and I'm going to increase my fasting to 13 hours. And then they can go, okay, now I'm going to eat within a 10-hour window and I'm going to fast for 14 hours. And they really notice a difference when they incorporate that as well. So that's another strategy where 
if your lymphedema is really like your arm is achy, pins and needles, like it's it's really in what I call a flare up. Um, lots of water, cut down on the salt, um, and cut off the nighttime eating. It's okay to drink something. You can have maybe an herbal tea or, of course, water would be fine. But that's another strategy that I found to be very effective. These all seem very simple. Yeah, and I think it's, um, you know, sometimes it, I, I'm glad you see them as simple. And um, and I hope people who are listening see it that way. And, and it's not scary or hard or difficult sometimes we we fight against things you know even though we know it's good for us it's a little bit of rebellion but yeah i'm glad they seem simple because i think they can be very effective very doable too yeah excellent yeah and it's it it, um it just when you the way you've presented it and and talking about it it makes perfect sense you know, at first you say drink lots of water, and you kind of I don't know. But then when you the way you explained it, it it's ideal. Same thing with intermittent fasting; um, it just makes sense. And sometimes science uh, never makes sense. It's it's really challenging. But I I hope I I mean I hope our listeners are, are feeling like that's all. I mean that that's that, that's what I need to be doing. Um, and so I think I, I say that to drive that point home to some of our folks that I know have um, struggled with lymphedema. Um, you know, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't say at this moment, you know, you've made mention several times, Gene, about um, getting with a, a lymphedema specialist. And there are several in our community. Pam uh, has connections with uh, many of them. So if if you say, Gosh, you, you mentioned about this lymphedema specialist for manual training. I have no idea what you're talking about. Let us help you connect with those yeah. folks. Um, you know, we have we have the ability to put you in contact with them. So, um, you know, be sure and 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 um, message Pam or or give us a call here at the Survivorship Center. Um, that number is 806-331-2400 and just say, I need the lymphedema specialist. What do I do? Um, because we want to make sure that that in addition to uh, these things that that Gene is sharing about lymphedema, that that you know um, there's resources here in our town. Uh, Gene, is there are there any other um, processes that you recommend other than the water and the salt intake and the anti-inflammatory diet and intermittent fasting? Is there anything else? Yeah, another strategy we pay attention to is the amount of fat in the diet, because. Off the top, when you ask me about what does the lymphatic system do, one of them is it transports long-chain fatty acids. So you might be thinking, well, which ones are the long-chain fatty acids, right? Uh, yeah. Well, it's it's basically a lot of the oils that you use every day. It's corn oil, soybean oil, um, olive oil, avocado oil, pretty much any vegetable oil you can think of is 100% long chain fatty acid. Uh, and then long chain fatty acids are even in, you know, butter. Um, so it that that might be, you know, maybe like not quite as easy as some of the other strategies, but I think that would be very effective. And what I actually encourage people to do is rather than, okay, I heard all of this stuff. I'm going to start it. I'm going to start tomorrow. I'm going to do this. And that's certainly one of my goals that I have for people that I work with is to get your lymphedema down. Let's get it as low as possible, like get that edema reduced. But the other goal I have for you is to know how your lymphedema responds. Because I mentioned that young mom earlier, who I think is very salt sensitive. There are other people who are also very fat sensitive. And I think it's helpful for you to know how your lymphedema responds to the different components of your diet. And I tend to work people through, you know, sort of stepwise because I like them to have that experience of hmm, observing, you know, and even just getting a tape measure out, measuring the lymphedema, tracking um, the food intake. And on top of that, some people identify certain individual triggers. Now there's nothing in any of the science that I've read 
But people will identify, for example, alcohol or coffee, um, sugar. I guess sugar makes sense in that it's inflammatory. But tracking and paying attention to see if there's anything that's unique to you, um, or it might be common to other people, but it may be not necessarily universal. So that's another strategy I have is just to track your intake, track your lymphedema, pay attention to those times where it's swelling. And, you know, maybe you can account for it in other ways. Maybe it's a particularly hot and humid day and that always increases lymphedema. Maybe you spent the day on your feet and your feet are more swollen. Um, but um, pay attention to what you're eating. The other component is have a regular bowel routine because if you get constipated, that's going to affect your lymphatics as well. So lots of fluid, lots of fiber and movement. Those are the three components of having a regular bowel routine. And if one's missing, like if there's not the activity, not going to work. Or if you have the fluid and the activity without the fiber, right? So that's another component too. What about exercise? Very important for lymphedema. Very important. Because, you know, if you think about the cardiovascular system, it's got the heart. It's a big pump, right? It's going to do a big pump and it's going to send that blood out and pump it all around. The lymphatic system doesn't have that one big pump. It has these little pumps called lymphangions throughout the system. And it requires the muscle to kind of give that compression relaxation and move the fluid through it. So exercise is one of the four components of what's called complete congestive therapy. So, and the others are, so it's exercise, compression, manual lymphatic drainage, and skin care. Is there certain exercises that are better for lymphedema? Uh, well, um, exercise, I think they're all pretty good. Uh, um, the research has focused on a few, uh, so we, we can't sort of, it's hard to compare because some just haven't been studied, but being in the water seems to be particularly beneficial whether it's swimming or water aerobics, because the water, the deeper you go in the water, the more compression you get. So it's like a, and people who have lymphedema really like it because they can take off their compression garment and go in the water and like, oh, you know, I get this sleeve or this legging off and you have that natural compression. So that feels nice. Uh, yoga is another one because of um, the breathing that accompanies it. And I know there's a, a lymph therapist I, I can introduce you to, hopefully you can interview, that teaches lymphatic yoga. Um, and it's very effective. Yeah. I think the main thing with exercise is that you, uh, um, you build it up gradually uh, because you want to be helping your lymphedema. But I think if you do something like you're a weekend warrior and you decide I'm going to sit on the couch all week and really give it on the weekend... Um, that might not be the best picture for your lymphedema, but the lymphedema therapists that you have in your area, they would be able to recommend something individualized to the people who come in to see them. Ryan, you know, oftentimes we um, think, okay, why do we offer this class? And there's always some science behind the classes. So, you know, that's why we have water exercise. That's why we have yoga. We have Tai Chi. We have chillaxation, you know, um, walking, walking group. group. Uh, if you're not ready to go full force, you know, we can start you out with that personal trainer one-on-one um, -on -one session. So know that you're not alone if you're out there suffering from lymphedema and need help. Yeah, and the, the beauty of, of water exercise, I think what, what Jean said is, um, uh, when and because and, and, I, I go see our water class usually. I go downstairs where it is, where the pool is, and say hello to everybody, and they have a good time. But here's the, the beauty of it is, is everybody is basically at their own pace. Some are a little faster or a little more heavier weights or maybe – no weights. I mean, it's all individualized. And so don't think just because, well, there's a water class and I've never been, and they've been, these people have been for years. It's okay. Everything is adaptable. Every one of our classes are adaptable to where you are 
both in your treatment, out of treatment, and whether you've never worked out or you, you know, you're coming back to exercising, every one of them are adaptable. And that's what's that's what's so great about it. And the fact too, Pam and Gene, I don't know if you know this, but every one of our classes are entirely free. Um, there is no membership fee. Unfortunately, you've already paid the membership fee of being a cancer survivor. And uh, we have these classes at no charge. Yes. I think that's amazing. And let me just say that I hope the people who are listening recognize how fortunate they are to have these resources. I spent yesterday on the phone with someone in Washington State. And half of our session was spent trying to find her a lymphedema therapist that she could access in her area. Mm-hmm. So please, please take advantage of all these resources. It sounds amazing. And realize how fortunate you are to have this in your own own neighborhood, own, own district. That's very impressive. Congratulations. Well, we think we're um, a diamond in the rough, and we hope more people find this diamond and to help them in their journey. Jean, I know that you've wrote a couple books. Can you tell our listeners, I know you've given us lots of information, um, but maybe they need to read it, and maybe where can they find your books and maybe the uh, topics that you cover? Right. Yeah, thank you. So the most relevant to this topic would be my book called The Complete lymphedema management and nutrition guide so i co-wrote this book with a lymphedema therapist so you'll learn all about you know compression and wrapping um, exercise there's lots of photos in there skin care you'll learn about taping and pumps all kinds of stuff and then all my nutrition chapters plus recipes plus meal plans it's all in the book um, so if you have lymphedema or are at risk, I absolutely um, think that's an excellent resource for you to have. Then my my other books, uh, so one is um, the Essential Cancer Treatment Nutrition Guide and Cookbook. It's an excellent companion, especially if you're going through treatment, um, because you may not know, but for Every practically every side effect of treatment, like nausea, vomiting, mouth sores, constipation, diarrhea, low appetite, weight loss, anemia, there are nutrition strategies that can help you with that. And so I detail all of those as well as, you know, once treatment ends and how do you, you know, focus on, you know, survivorship, I'm not coming back here again, like I'm going to be cancer free, like all of the nutrition strategies to help with that, that's all in there. And then my third book is called Complete Intermittent Fasting, which really talks about the research around intermittent fasting, the different ways of doing it, what the evidence is for, unfortunately, we don't talk about lymphedema, but talk about diabetes and heart disease and cancer. Um, it, it's really um, a super interesting topic. So those books are available. Plus, if people like to read, I have a blog and I talk about um, cancer um, fasting. I talk about lymphedema, all kinds of topics like herbs. And um, this month's, this week's blog is on uh, probiotics for lymphedema. So, and I really, if, especially if you like to geek out and you like all the science, like you, you'll, um, it, it'll be a playground for you on my blog. <laughs> That's all. So where, what, let's give our listeners your website. So it's my name. So Jean, which is J-E-A-N. And my last name is L-A-M-A-N-T-I-A.com. So you'll see uh, the blog there. Um, you'll also see um, there's a free little uh, webinar, top five questions people have about lymphedema. And you'll see access there to my program, my Lymphedema Nutrition School, which actually is starting April the 11th. I know people can be listening to this anytime, but I'll say April 11th, 2023. But, you know, I I run that program four or five times a year. And it's a live program we meet once a week for 10 weeks. So if you think today was, um, you know, you learned a few things, you can imagine like an hour and a half once a week. For 10 weeks, we really, well, I know it's not just um, the information, um, but you get to practice, you get to set a goal, 
practice the strategy. Um, so if you're feeling overwhelmed, which would be understandable, and you feel sometimes if you're in overwhelm, you just get frozen and you can't move forward. You can't make any changes. And you six months later, you're still where you were and you haven't done anything. This is the solution for that because it's just, you know, just take one goal at a time and we focus on that. And you get support from other people. Like um, my students really enjoy learning from each other too, right? Sure. That community. <laughs> Absolutely. So is there, do you have Instagram, Facebook, or is it just your website? I also have Instagram. So on Instagram, I'm at cancer underscore lymphedema underscore dietitian. And on Facebook, I'm Jean Lamantia, registered dietitian. Well, Jean, thank you so much for sharing all of your information. That brings us to our last segment. We are sponsored by Auto Inc. And we would like to hear your Auto Inc. inspiring moment. Well, my inspiring moment is pretty simple. I'll just leave you with the message that what you eat matters. And I, I want that to be inspiring because I know as a cancer survivor finishing my treatment, I felt very um, afraid of a recurrence. I felt very, I would say, hypervigilant. I was so stressed about a recurrence. But then I realized, well, I'm not powerless here. I'm not just going back every three months, getting my scan, praying to God that I don't get cancer again. That there's actually some power there that I can reclaim. I can, you know, I can decide what I'm going to I eat what I'm going to put in my mouth and whether it's going to be something that's going to help my cancer or in this case lymphedema or it's not and hopefully that inspires and empowers you that it does make a difference I think that's a great um yeah. inspiring moment Pam that uh that may be one of our most our, our shortest inspiring moments but yet is very, very pointed Absolutely. and powerful. What you eat matters. Yes. And if you have a hard time getting and out I, of your comfort zone, make sure that you come to Whitney's class. You know, she um, teaches us all kinds of new recipes that are easy that you can do at home. And um, last night she had a chia seed, a strawberry smoothie that was really good and la the time before was a salad that I would have probably never put the things together but it tasted so good and so you know open your your mind up to new things yeah and also I would encourage our listeners to go back on our podcast and and check out some of the ones that she's done and some of the other dietitians that we've had uh focusing on um the uh a plant-based diet, you know, avoiding sugars and, 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 and covering just a variety of things that all focus on your health as a cancer survivor. That's what's most important. And uh, Gene, I can't thank you enough for sharing, you know, you, you made it very simplistic um, and, and laid it out for our folks, I think, who are, are struggling with uh, lymphedema. And I never really thought about too, those that maybe don't have lymphedema, but they are still at a lifetime risk. So I'm super glad that you pointed that out. Yeah. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I think it's, you know, you, you, your program is ahead of the curve. The fact that you have all of these resources, but the fact that you're even talking about lymphedema nutrition. So bravo. Well done. Well, thank you. Thank you. And and again, props to our dietitian, Whitney. I, we, we say all the time, um, we have the best instructors. Uh, we have the most knowledgeable instructors. And our dietitian obviously follows you and subscribes to um, these methods and recommended that we speak to you. So again, I think that points to the importance of who we've surrounded ourselves with um, and our instructors. And so um, gosh, if you're listening and you have questions, we we may not be the expert. Pam is she's an expert on a lot of things, but maybe she's not the expert on on the topic you have a question about. We know who to go to, or we'll find them. 
And so um, thank you for that, that word of encouragement, Gene. A lot of times it's, uh, it's, it's nice to hear that um, we're doing things that other people aren't. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I hope your listeners take advantage and realize what a gem this program is. Well, thank you. So Pam, how do they take advantage of this program? How about they get connected with us and call our office at 806-331-2400. Or um, look us up on 24survivorship.org, or we're on um, Facebook as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the easiest thing is is send, is uh, call, send an email from our website, um, just ask the questions, and then get involved. Um, it costs you nothing but time and can be so valuable. Uh, and, in, and in this case, uh, when we're talking about a chronic and progressive problem like lymphedema can be life altering. So uh, that's your homework this week, you guys, is just find a way to get involved, pick a class, give it a try, make a, an appointment with um, our dietitian, maybe make an appointment with our personal trainer, whatever that looks like. Um, take advantage of these things and make a, a difference in your life. And then make sure you join us next time for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Thanks again for listening to Beyond the Ribbon. We'd like to extend a special thanks to the Auto Inc. family of dealerships as they have supported the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center since 2016. For more information on the Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website at 24survivorship.org.